So as I was approaching ordination, uh, I would get a bevy of different reactions from my friends, right? Some of them had been asking if I could hear their confession since like the second week I was in seminary. That's not even hyperbole, that really happened. And then other people had made it very clear that they wanted nothing to do with telling me their innermost secrets and taking my advice. And to be honest, I respected that option too. Some people loved the idea of allowing my brokenness as a fellow human to be the guide for mercy while I dole out their penance. Others were adamant that they remembered who I was before ordination and wanted nothing to do with telling me their sins. Terrible things can be in our past, but also wonderful things. As St. Paul says, through time and circumstance and God's grace, I am what I am. We are the good, the bad, and whatever else is inside us that makes us who we are. We don't need to forget our past, but hopefully we can learn from it. The prophecy from Isaiah in the first reading has some of the most absolute beautiful poetry that I have ever heard. He is reminding the people of the past and how God dealt with them. First, he says that the Lord they serve is the same one who opened the way in the sea reminding them of Moses and the miracle of the Red Sea. He then tells them that it was the Lord who prompted the chariots and the horsemen, which made up, quote, a very powerful army. He was the one that prompted them to follow into the sea. He is reminding them of the difference between the two groups. The first group the Lord leads through the Red Sea, and he leads them into safety. Those are his chosen people with his prophet Moses. And then he leads the second group into the Red Sea. And this is Pharaoh's army. And these people, Isaiah says, the Lord made them all, quote, lie prostrate together, never to rise, snuffed out, and quenched like a wick. That is the most eloquent way mass murder has ever been described. Probably. But just think about it. If we weren't reading that from the Bible, and you were listening to an old sea captain, possibly even a pirate, tell the tale about a crew of pirates who died, and he used the same words that we just heard in the Bible, it would be quite stirring, wouldn't it? Now, just imagine you're talking to a pirate, and he says this. Yar was a powerful, powerful army who went into the sea, and for all their battle cries, they now lie prostrate together, never to rise, snuffed out like a wick, quenched. Arr. I mean, that would be the most beautiful pirate poetry you had ever heard, wouldn't it? Honestly, it would be absolutely beautiful. So now that we know Isaiah is both a poet and possibly a pirate, he continues. For it's not enough to be reminded of the old. Because after the Lord led the people out of slavery into the desert, they soon fall away from him. Isaiah isn't reminding them of the past because he needs to. They all know their history. But he does remind them of their beginnings in slavery and how they gained their freedom. He does so, and then he hits them with this line. Remember not the things of the past. See, I am doing something new. What you can't see because you weren't the one reading the gospel is the punctuation inherent. 
The end of that message, it says, see, I am doing something new, is punctuated with an exclamation point. God is excited that he is doing something new. He doesn't deliver this message of newness deadpan, but rather he says it in an excited manner so that the people will also be excited. We have seen the glories of the past and what the Lord has done for us. So imagine what he can do in the future. Isaiah only brings up the past so that he can catapult them into the future. Humans seem to always be wanting to live in the past. This is useless. Conversely, we often try and live in the future as well. This is also useless. Living too much in the future or too much in the past is pointless, for we are powerless to change the past, and until the future arrives, we have no bearing on it. But we can always look to the future with hope, hope that this time things can really be different. That's why people love starting over. Whether it's starting a new hobby, career, or possibly a new vocation, all of it allows us the opportunity to start over and be more of who we want to be and less of who we allow ourselves to become through laziness and sin. So Isaiah is showing the people of the past to get them excited for the future. And the only way to make the future anything you hope it to be is to take action now. If your past has enjoyed miracles, graces, and glory from the Lord, then good. Remember all of those things and what the Lord has done for you, and continue to look forward to the future with hope. But if your past has trauma, agony, brokenness, and desperation, then you are the perfect people for the Lord to do something new in. No matter who we are, we all have a past. It has brought us to this present. And if we don't like how this present is going, then it is up to us to make changes now so that our future will be different. Our future will be hopeful. Our future will be what we make of it with our choices and the Lord's grace. We have two weeks left of Lent. So if your Lenten practice hasn't been fruitful, then maybe it's time to change. If it hasn't been fruitful for four weeks, it's not going to magically get better in these last two. So I invite you, do not be prideful. Do not think that what you're doing is going to magically start working if it has not already. But rather, pick something new for the last two weeks of Lent. If, however, your Lenten practice has drawn you deeper into the faith, faith closer to the Lord, and is allowing you to bear spiritual fruit, then keep going. The Lord wants to do something new with us. So if we aren't cooperating with the Lord, we shouldn't be surprised when nothing changes. So remember your past and give it to the Lord. Offer him your future in hope, but also do something now. Do something in Lent, in the time we have left while we are preparing for Easter. Lent is to Easter as preparing for death is to eternal life. Are we really expecting to make it into heaven? if we aren't willing to change our life for the last two weeks of Lent to better prepare for the glory of Easter?